from the anarchist jurisdiction of sports, apparently. From independent remote quarantine locations with me tonight, my co-host, the exclamation point, the passionate one, Reed. Good evening. And in the middle, filling in for the period, Snoop, uh, is our guest tonight, Big City Adam on the Big City Beat. And me, the question mark, the man who cares nothing about sports, Rowdy. Gentlemen, episode 158. How are we? Hey, I got to get my tea up. Let's go. All right, let's do it. Well, you can yep. find us on all the podcast apps. Obviously, you, you probably did if you're listening to this show. While you're there, give us a rating. Tell all your friends. But gentlemen, let's get into it. How about some sports? Well, how about it? So, old Bob Kraft is enjoying the hand of justice these days, I've, I've heard. What's, uh, what's going on? <laughs> He said, man, that's one of the better headlines I've written in a while. If I that, was a good, that is a good read headline. Very good. On the back. Yeah, old Bobby Kraft. Evidently, he's uh, shockingly, uh, if you'll remember, he was uh, cited for, uh, I believe it was uh, soliciting prostitution in Jupiter, Florida, a massage parlor a year or two ago. And wouldn't you know it, no charges are going to be brought against Mr. Kraft. Weird. He's yeah. something. Isn't that crazy? Huh. Yeah, he beat the rap, as they say. <laughs> he certainly did. Meanwhile, Big City Adam's dad's still rotten in jail. Hold on. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> that was yeah, that got weird. weird. Not in jail for any reason, <laughs> to my knowledge. I didn't say what for. People can look that up on their own. But all right, carry on anyway. <laughs> Mykates.gov. <laughs> If Florida's going to have to start prosecuting people for sex crimes, they're not going to have time to do anything else. <laughs> well, actually, I think you actually bring up a very good point there. They don't want to probably set any kind of precedent that's going to end up with th three-fourths of their state just locked up. Or, Well, there's already with the – actually, I remember seeing like a 2020 story or something like that about like sex offenders who lived in Florida, and there were – so many of them that they couldn't, uh, you know, they couldn't be near schools or anything like that. So there was like this one bridge that they could like live under. And so there was just this whole community <laughs> of sex offenders that like geographically, that was like the only spot that they could be. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's only so much room under that bridge. I feel like there's I've never been to the Florida Keys. But. I know there's just a, that road that connects them all. Like, couldn't you yeah. just put all these people on a few of the less popular keys and just, like, divert the, the, the bridge around it? Those roads, I've driven on some of those roads. Those are terrifying. Like, you're just, like, driving on the ocean. It is not right. <laughs> well, imagine how much more terrifying it would be if your uh, car broke down near sex offender key. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I I uh, I appreciate the uh, uncomfortableness that might cause sex offender key. I think that's its official name. All right, I've got <laughs> another idea. Just just spitballing yeah. here. Here you've we got, go. You've got beaches like New Smyrna Beach, the shark bite capital of the world. Okay, <laughs> and you and you have this excess of sex offenders. Okay. Uh huh. For, first of all, let's. Let's have them form a human chain and just kind of stand at like the edge of the swimming area. They form a human, a human barricade. And if it's they don't, if what, so if they, if they get bit that it's not great for them, but <laughs> they're, they're being injured, actually doing a service for humanity. And if they don't uh -huh. get bit, then they're basically just enjoying a beach day. Do they? Do you? Are you also sending uh, sex offenders to the southern border, Rowdy, to make a chain wall? I feel like that's just putting our our own country's problems on Mexico. I don't think <laughs> we need that. I will say, if yeah. we do the human chain beach fence idea, though, uh, I would make sure that they have to be facing away from the beach. Yeah, I think that's the key. Oh, Otherwise, yeah. It's like yeah. Like no, the key was the other idea. Sex offender key is the my first idea. <laughs> it's kind of like the security guards in the back of the end zone in football games, how they have to face the crowd so they miss the whole game. Yeah. It's a real bummer. 
Rowdy, I well, like how you have no patience for certain types of offenders. Mm-hmm. You are like yep. typically a, a very liberal person, except when it comes to capital punishment for sex offenders. <laughs> well, it's not capital punishment. It's just creative it's punishment. Shark bites. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. It's not capital punishment. It's creative punishment. <laughs> They're not being killed by the state. They're being killed the guy by in shark. advertising. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Uh, anyway. Well, so I this is a sports podcast. Speaking of sports, um, let's talk about all this mask money that is, is getting paid out. I, I, Saw a few headlines. I didn't watch any of the football games, but I did see that several coaches are having to pay quite a bit of money. What's the what's the deal with this? Well, the issue is they aren't wearing their masks. Ah, they're over there calling plays on the sidelines, not wearing masks. And they, well, I guess it should be specific. They're not wearing their masks over their nose and mouth. They're wearing their they're masks mostly A-town around their chins, a town yeah. style. Yeah around their chins, around their necks, uh, which some of these guys got to call plays into a microphone or whatever. So there's that, but that just means the whole time they're not wearing a mask. Uh, Pretty hefty fine though. Yeah. Like each coach is like a hundred, hundred K and then the teams are getting charged 250 K a quarter mil for the team and a hundred K for the coach, which will probably be covered by the team. So you're talking 350 a team. And that was uh, let me look here. That was uh, Vic. What? How do you say that? Fangio. 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 Dick, uh, yeah. Fangio from Denver. Pete Carroll, uh, Geisen's boy from Seattle, and uh, Kyle Shanahan <laughs> from the 49ers, who he'd probably pay a hundred thousand dollars to have his quarterback and his best defensive player and two other players back for the season. <laughs> They've been decimated by injury, but yeah. Uh, it was interesting. I watched last night. I noticed Coach, or Monday night, I should say. I noticed Coach Gruden had that mask down around his chin quite a bit too. Oh, yeah, he, he got tagged. Added to the list. Well, so yeah, he, he got added of, this morning. Or, oh, did he really? Tuesday. So okay. Did you added. hear that Gruden had COVID? Yeah. So he was. He, he, he was. Yeah, when he was. Uh, Air quotes. He was. He said, I think his quote was, I'm doing my best. I've had the virus. I'm since I've had the virus. I'm sensitive about all that. I'm just doing my best. But apparently uh, at the beginning of August, there was a zoom meeting where the assistant coach told the whole team that Gruden was at the hospital with COVID and all the (laughs) players on the call were like freaked out. So then the assistant coach said, Oh, actually, uh, this is just kind of a thought experiment uh, just to, uh, you know, test you guys to show you how serious the virus is. <laughs> so, like, all, all these, all fire these, drill. Uh, it's just a fire drill. Yeah. yeah so all these public, sports publications wrote about how uh, Gruden was f- faking coronavirus or uh, was was playing some kind of mind game with the team, but that apparently he was annoyed by that. And so he's like, no, I actually, I wasn't planning on going public with this. He apparently had it in mid July. He wasn't planning on going public with it, but he was tired of people saying he faked it. So it's very cool. You, you said he wasn't wearing a mask. Not, not a lot. Yeah. <laughs> he not had a lot. Lot. He's got those yeah. antibodies though, right? Yeah, he was helping everybody out by spreading antibodies all over the mm-hmm. place. Yeah, and coronavirus can't live in a black hole. So Right. Do you think they'll clean up their act for the next set of games? or? I think you're going to see a lot more people go to the Andy Reid face shield. I saw somebody else had on a face shield this week. I can't remember who it was, but hmm. I know Oh, maybe it was B.A., Bruce Arians at Tampa. He was wearing the face shield. I think you're going to see a lot yeah. more people go to that. Well, they make them shorter than the one Andy Reid had. Like his was extra long. He's extra large. And, and I feel like if the well, yeah, but his head isn't the large part of his body. Uh, well, it's called Big Mac I, spacing. Yeah, <laughs> you can fit a cheeseburger under there, right? I need a shield that can fit a cheeseburger. Yeah, a double cheese <laughs> underneath. 
Well, you know what's interesting yeah. is all all of these uh, all of these coaches. You know what they have in common? They're all from they're all from liberal cities. You know, <laughs> they're basically in these anarchist jurisdictions, and these people don't want to be told what to do, so they think they can just do whatever they want. Denver, uh, Denver, Seattle. Oh, here's the other thing. Uh, you can San Francisco, Las Vegas. Guess what? Uh, all these people are probably high on marijuana. And oh, just that's true too. Flouting the law, yeah. So uh -huh. yeah. I don't know. This all is on fire. Well, that's okay. That's also true. You too can get high and start forest fires. They don't <laughs> even know they're doing it. <laughs> that is a good observation, though. Legal marijuana and forest fires are the non-mask wearing coaches. Yeah. So the argument could either be. They're too high to keep their mask on, or the air quality is too poor that it's too hard to breathe under the mask. I right. always settle that one. Speaking that of uh, lung damage, uh, <laughs> speaking <laughs> of lung damage, what's the deal with Tyrod Taylor uh, suffering a, a punctured lung here? I have a big conspiracy about this. So Tyrod Taylor uh, was, is, was the starting quarterback for the Los Angeles Chargers their first full year okay. in, in their new stadium in Los Angeles. And uh, evidently he suffered uh, some cracked ribs on the first play of the first game. Is that correct? Big city. So uh, like, yeah, it was the first drive. It was early on in that game. Two weeks ago, got some cracked ribs. Well, Rowdy, they, they uh, drafted a stud quarterback uh, out of the university of Oregon quack attack. And uh, he's been their backup. And then all of a sudden, uh, Tyrod goes to get shot up in the ribs before the game, which is a very common occurrence in the NFL. Guys getting shot up in the knee or the hip or the elbow or whatever. So they can But play. in the lungs? But, well, the doctor made a mistake and punctured his lungs. So the official report right before the game was that Tyrod Taylor had suffered a chest injury during warm-ups. Well, he did suffer a chest injury during warm-ups. The, the team doctor stabbed him in the lungs with a needle. So my concern well, was that this was intentional so that the rookie could start, and he looked good. Well, we all know that ribs and lungs are made up of pretty much the same material. <laughs> right. And are almost indiscernible to any <laughs> medical professional. Correct. So I don't know. Maybe this doctor was just having a... Real tough day. Yeah. Feeling real stabbed. I mean, honestly, we're, so we're we're entering autumn, right? And we're in it. Yeah. And so uh I, I I feel like what was probably happening is this doctor was trying to balance his humors. So as we move into autumn, he's gonna have a buildup of, you know, obviously he's gonna have a buildup of black bile in his spleen. But then as the, as, as the temperature gets colder, he's going to have an excess of phlegm in his lungs and his brain, obviously. Um, well, the, the CTE is taking care of the, the brain part of that. But the, but the doctor is actually trying to remove this phlegm from his lungs to get his humors back in balance. I don't think this any is obvious to whom. Yeah. Probably I, I, any medical doctor. Um, <laughs> I mean, I would say he was Tyrod Taylor was born in August, so that's you know summertime. So he's he's definitely more of a yellow bile, uh, choleric temperament, uh, extroverted, <laughs> independent, decisive. Um, but if if this flim, if this if this phlegm builds up, well, what's going to happen? Uh, he's he's going it, to it's essentially it's going to make him too relaxed, too too low T essentially. And the doctor's just trying to bring that into balance. I don't think I would uh, describe Tyrod Taylor as an extrovert. He seems like a pretty chill dude. Well, see, but that's the problem, maybe. He should he should be extroverted. <laughs> oh, but because be of his oh, excess sure. brain phlegm, he is introverted. Right. right. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, it, he, he needs to get that dominant August – uh, yellow bile choleric personality back. Uh, and, and that's all the doctor was really trying to do as we're moving into the colder months, he's got to, he's got to get that balance. Well, you know, so, we, so he slipped up a little bit and, and 
punctured his mm-hmm. lung. He's trying to remove the phlegm, but I mean, these things happen. And honestly, I feel like Tyrod Taylor is probably going to be better for it. I think he's not going to be better for it because I think he just lost his job. Well, yeah, he'll be better for it in that he won't have to play anymore because he'll be standing on the sideline and the, he won't be injured. Clipboard. Yeah. Plenty of time to heal while you're holding that clipboard. Yep. Chargers going to be interesting. They got a good defense this year. And uh, what's this new kid's name? Herbert? Yeah. Herbert. Justin Herbert. Uh, yeah. Kid's he played good. pretty well. Kid's good. Yeah. He was one of the uh, – I feel like during the draft, he was one of the more, like, potential project yeah. drafts where, like, he could be good or he could be a tire fire. Mm, 50-50. Um, but looks like he's on his way to being okay. Yeah. He can't Playing be any worse than Phil Rivers. Stadium. Yeah. Can't be any worse than Phil we, Rivers, can he? I mean, we don't need to bring up Phil Rivers for any particular <laughs> reason. I think we were just talking he's not on the Chargers anymore. I think we were just talking about the Chargers here. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, what else we got, Rowdy? Well, in other football news. You know, ever since I turned pro in 1989, That's right. Prime time is in Jackson State. It is prime time in, at Jackson State University in Jackson, Mississippi, where they just hired the one and only primetime Deion Sanders as their head football coach. Now, this is a uh, FCS school, Rowdy, so think about it as not a Power 5 conference. I, I don't know what either of those terms mean. So. When we're on the same page. So this is a uh, building project uh, for uh, primetime here. Now, did you guys happen to watch the Twitter video that I sent you earlier of his arrival at the basketball stadium <laughs> at Jackson State University. Yeah, so we have we start with the marching band Quite coming in playing uh, the song "Get Ready," and then we've got a police cruiser that rolls in, and then we've got the black Escalade or something that pulls in, uh, chauffeured. They had police motorcycles with their sirens and lights on inside the basketball stadium, driving around. Hmm. He it got, was pretty he wild. Got out of a, he got out of a brand new Cadillac Strat, like whatever the big Cadillac Escalade is, the longer one, like the huge one. XLT. Well, oh, there you go. With a magnetic sign that said Cadillac of Jackson on it. He got out with like three or four like bodyguards, looked like Nation Islam bodyguards got out. He had his mask on. He's got his wife, and he walks up onto the stage as if he were going to get mugged on his way from the Cadillac to six paces to the stage. His and wife, who used to be Babyface's wife. Babyface Edmonds, like the yeah. uh, Babyface Edmonds Expressway here in Indiana. Oh, yeah. Yep, that's a little Hoosier connection there for okay. you. Okay. All right. Your connection. And, uh, the the only thing that was bad about the Twitter video is it didn't pan out to show any crowd. No. I'm kind of thinking there wasn't a crowd. It yeah, kind of didn't wasn't seem anyone like there. It. Yeah, there were no. Yeah. I didn't hear any cheers or anything. So I think you actually. The might only be people right. there were the marching band that walked in before him. Right, and all he, the police. Yeah, because you would think yeah. if there was actually a crowd there, when he steps out of the car, he's gonna be waving, right? Mm-hmm. But instead, he's just kind of like That's he good gets point. out and it's like super anticlimactic because he gets out and just kind of like fist bumps uh, some of the security people and other, I'm assuming, people who work for the school. Um, but yeah, there has <laughs> been a, par- a barrage of rumors around this hire, too, that he's going to hire Terrell Owens as a wide receiver coach. He's in talks mm-hmm. with Randy Moss. He's what? in talks with all these former like Warren Sapp. Warren Sapp, all these Hall of Fame players that he's trying to get to come down and coach at Jackson State. Now, is he only going to pick also, one, or is he going to hire like multiple? No, of Terrell these guys? Owens would be the wide receiver coach. Warren Sapp would be the defensive line coach. These are going to be assistant coaches, Hall of Fame school. football players. 
where did the school get their money? Like, why are all these this level of schools doing that? That's a good question. And, and I am going to watch this very closely because this is going to be entertaining. The reason all schools aren't doing this is that he might be a bad coach. Well, that's true. And they still they still want to win. So I think hiring just famous athletes, which it might work out. And who knows like how many of these names will actually start working for them. But like if you hire somebody who was in the NFL and didn't flush all their money down the toilet, they don't need that much money to come right. coach for you at Jackson State. So like here's here's the thing though. Yeah, is it about know. is it about winning games or is it about selling tickets? Because if just getting those people there every game People are going to want to come. They're they're going to come for the autographs. They're not. They don't care how the football team does. I don't know. I don't know if that's mutually exclusive or not. I mean, there are a lot. There there are going to be your programs that are going to sell out regardless of how they're doing. Like Notre Dame's probably going to sell out all the time, even if they have a five hundred or a seven hundred season, something like that. Uh, Ohio State's going to sell out. Michigan's going to sell out. Bama, Auburn, these schools, Texas. Jackson State, though, I think it's it's great for recruiting. That is a hotbed of talent. You're going to get a lot of mm-hmm. you know C grades, B minuses, maybe there. You're going to get a lot of JUCO transfers there. Um, I think it's great for recruiting. But to Big City's point, it doesn't mean that he's going to be any good. In fact, I'm skeptical that he is going to be any good as a coach. Uh, I have seen several cases of major success in professional sports with ex players becoming coaches, but professional to professional, like Phil Jackson, Larry Bird, some guys like that that had uh, outstanding careers as coaches as well as uh, mm-hmm. players. But you're allowed to legally purchase your talent in right. professional sports. That is right. not allowed in the NCAA. Well, you still athletes. purchase your talent, but you just <laughs> under the table. Yeah, in duffel bags. Yeah, in Left chicken wings house. and club appearances. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Haters. 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 Hot taters. That's right. It's time for the surest thing in podcasting served up for your consumption. Mother covered, chopped, and chewed. Rowdy. Are you ready for your week one results, my friend? Yeah, how'd I do? All right. Uh, We'll go through the picks real quick, and then we'll get you locked in for your second week of NFL scores. Uh, Last week, you had uh, Cincinnati over Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland won that game, but Rowdy, you still won because Cincinnati was a plus six and the score was 35 to 30. So you covered. So one, you won. that's you won. good. That's yeah. great. Yeah. That's all two, you need. Two, that should not have happened. That's stupid. That <laughs> the team that wins should make the difference. Once but again, gambling is not your strong suit, but I think I'll you're going to be it. happy with your results. Uh, 1 p.m. game on Sunday, Minnesota at Indianapolis. Indianapolis minus three. Indy wins 28-11. That's a W for Rowdy. Sunday at 4.15 p.m., Kansas City went to the L.A. Chargers. Uh, Puncture lungs and all. Kansas City wins. Uh, even though the char- they uh, gave up eight and a half to the Chargers, they won 23-20. Rowdy, that's a win for you. Prime time Sunday night, New England at Seattle, Seattle minus four. Rowdy picks Seattle, 35-30 victory over New England and scam Newton. And on Monday night, New Orleans to the black hole, opening night at Allegiance Field in Las Vegas. No crowd, Las Vegas plus six, final score, 34-24 Las Vegas. Rowdy, I think this is the first time ever in your podcasting career you are five and O's, sir. Ah, uh, I should have bet real money. <laughs> yeah, sound effects and all. You should have oh, bet man. real money. Well, this week, Rowdy, you can bet new money because here are your picks for okay. week two on the pod, week three in the NFL. Thursday night, a real barn burner. We have the Miami Dolphins at Jacksonville. Jacksonville, a three-point favorite, and the over-under set at 48. Who you got? Jacksonville is Tom Brady's new team? No, that's Tampa. 
Oh, I'll go Jacksonville. Jacksonville it is with the minus three. Sunday, 1 p.m., Las Vegas Raiders at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough. New England is a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Over-under is also 48. Who you got? Who was it? Las Vegas? Las Vegas, New England. Still sounds weird. I'll do, Las, I'll do Las Vegas. Las Vegas is currently undefeated. 4 p.m., the Tampa Bay Buccaneers go to the Mile High uh, to play Denver. Denver is a plus six with an over-under at 43.5. Tampa Bay or Denver, Rowdy? It's going to be Denver because of the altitude. Denver. All right. Prime All time. Right. Sunday night on NBC. Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers go to NOLA to see old-ass Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints. <laughs> New Orleans Saints are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Over-unders at 52-and-a-half. They're a three-and-a-half-point favorite? Yeah. Home favorite. Uh, I'm going to go Green Bay, Bay. New Orleans. Green Bay. All right. You got the uh, good pick. away team coming in. That's the Green Bay Packers. Monday night. This is the game of the week. Monday night, the defending champions, Andy Reid's Kansas City Chiefs, fly all the way over to Baltimore to play the Ravens. They are a three and a half point favorite. Over under is 53 and a half. Uh, Andy Reid's going to do it. Andy Reid and the visiting Kansas City Chiefs. All right, Thursday night, Miami, Jacksonville. Rowdy's got Jacksonville. Sunday at 1, Vegas, New England. Rowdy's got Vegas. Sunday at 4.15, Tampa Bay versus Denver. Rowdy takes Denver. Sunday night, primetime, Green Bay Packers from New Orleans. Rowdy takes the visiting team, the Green Bay Packers. And Monday night, KC versus Baltimore. Rowdy's got his favorite team, Andy Reid and the Cheeseburgers, that's been Hot Taters. <laughs> uh, how do you guys feel about those picks? I mean, I feel pretty good. One last thing, Rowdy. Do you want to tease it? Uh, okay. All right. I'll tease it. All right. Your face looks like it caught on fire and somebody tried to put it out with a fork. <laughs> that was a little mean, right? Yeah. I prefer a chain. Looks like somebody <laughs> set your face on fire and put it out with a chain. Yeah, a fork is a pretty like aggressive version. Yeah. Like chain kind of makes sense. It's over quickly. A fork? <laughs> yeah. Are you teasing? He's teasing. I'm just teasing. Taters. All right, next up, NASCAR is taking flight. What's going on, guys? Oh, we got big news in the NASCAR world. Uh, you may remember from a few weeks ago, Rowdy, where we talked about uh, Bubba Wallace mm-hmm. and the Black Lives Matter and the banning of the Confederate flag and then the uh, legend noose in the garage, uh, that Bubba Wallace? Yes. Well, he just signed to a new team, a team owned by uh, NASCAR le- legend Denny Hamlin and a newcomer to the game, Michael Jordan. Ah. So Michael Jordan is taking his talents to the track to uh, the large oval in the uh, stock car world. Uh, I don't know if you're aware, Rowdy, but he already owns a motocross team. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, Jordan's into racing. I, Jordan's in anything he can bet on, I think. So, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it allows <laughs> well, him to go to the track and bet. Right. So. Right. He's from North Carolina, which is kind of uh, like, I don't know, was that like the birthplace of NASCAR? Uh, it probably was somewhere, Tennessee, North Carolina, something like that. Bootlegging country. Mm-hmm. West Virginia. I mean, he's, he's out, he's I mean, out in like, very uh, popular. I think he was from like Wilmington, right? So he's like coastal North Carolina, but. Right. He's a, uh, what do they call that? The, uh, low country. I think that's <laughs> what that's called. Sure. Why not? That's probably sure. why he likes to fly. You know, get up there, get up there in the altitude. But what do you guys think? What do you guys think about a billionaire black owner coming into NASCAR? Why not? Um, I mean, yeah, I think owners are kind of owners, and that's kind of that's it's interesting. It'll probably like it's an interesting combination of people. I mean, Michael Jordan owned franchises have done famously well so far. <laughs> So that's true. I assume Bubba's going to have a championship 
sooner than later. Wait, what, what else does he what know? What against the Wizards, man? Charlotte Hornets. Yeah. <laughs> oh, were they bad? Well, wasn't he part of like the Hornets, Bobcats, and then the Wizards? Like he kind of bounced around there. I feel like, or no, yeah, he played he, for the Wizards. He played That's for the Wizards, yeah. That's but then, he, yeah, he owned he owned part of the Bobcats that are now the Hornets. Yeah, uh, which oh. that was a good move. If one, if there's one thing he he might not even have been involved with this, but like under his ownership, they stopped being the Bobcats because that's a dumb name, and started being the Hornets again, which is a good name. Yeah. Uh, so so wait, the, are the Hornets back? Well, yeah, the Hornets are back. Are they still teal and purple? Yes. Are they still the real I Hornets? Think so. Or do we have a Supersonics Thunder kind of deal here, like a Browns, uh, a Browns Ravens deal here? You know, the Browns well, went to Baltimore. Well, that looks like the Charlotte Hornets. That the Browns mm-hmm. came back. Oh, I don't know what you're talking so about. So since, <laughs> so I guess not. So technically, so the, the Hornets went to New Orleans, right? And then briefly went to Oklahoma City and then came back to New Orleans and then eventually became the Pelicans. And when they became the Pelicans, Charlotte became the Hornets again. So it's a new franchise. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how long Charlotte was without a team, but hmm. they got a team back pretty quickly, it seems. So what you're telling me is that Charlotte may no longer have uh, Muggsy Bogues on their record books. Oh, does that does that transfer? I don't think so. Not if it's a new franchise because the Cleveland oh, Browns the New Orleans Pelicans. Cleveland Browns records are now the Baltimore Ravens records, and the Cleveland Browns are a different entity. Oh right, because like well, but we celebrate. Well, we sorry, uh, the Indianapolis Colts celebrate Johnny Unitas. Right, because the Colts are the original. Uh, the Colts, uh, the Colts came from Baltimore. Everybody to moved. Right. Uh, okay, right. I see. It was I just see. a move. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and just yeah. like the Supersonics moved to uh, Oklahoma City, so I'm assuming that Oklahoma City holds Gary Payton and Sean Kemp's records, and Detlef Shrimp, and they have to be buried underneath the. Oklahoma City Stadium. Correct. When they die. Yes. Isn't that the rule? Yes. Okay, cool. It makes sense. Under the yeah, under I've never the, thought of it in those terms. Yeah. Yeah. Now they have to be buried instead of in Seattle in the chop, they will now be mar- buried in a fracking field in Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> Not for long. Yeah, that's true. Turn uh, your bones into natural gas, boy. Yeah, that's right. You get, get fossilized real quick, player. <laughs> <laughs> I like this move. I think Jordan is probably one of the better people in terms of sports ownership. Pull, sway, whatever you want to call it. Shoes. Um, well, yeah, I mean, they're going to be a jump man. Think about the merchandising. Oh, yeah. Now, you're going to have like NASCAR jackets with the jump man on it. It's going to be wild. Yeah, everybody's happy to see him no matter what. What I want to know is, are we going to get a movie out of this? Race Jam. Like, oh, Race Jam, Space (laughs) Track. Race Jam. Yeah, Race Jam. (laughs) That's going to go on Netflix. People are going to think, this is not what I expected. Race Jam. (laughs) It's going to go in that special Netflix category now. Oh, really? This is just PG? Interesting. (laughs) Uh, they're gonna think it's like a john lewis martin luther king documentary it's just michael jordan turning left well speaking of racing i know uh big city adam since you're uh, more attuned to the uh cultured side of life the genteel uh, aspect yeah you you, you have a, a special topic for us is that right yeah man well you know it's the tour de france just wrapped up this past oh you mean la tour de french (laughs) <laughs> Le Tour de France. Uh, and you know, an avid cyclist, I always think he's going to bring it up because it goes on for three weeks. Yeah. It's the Grand Tour in France, around the countryside of France. It was initially canceled 
because it usually happens every July. They pushed it, so it started in August, uh, which was great. And I think they did a pretty good job, like not at least amongst the athletes, not uh, the riders, not spreading too much COVID. I think there were only like two or three confirmed cases, and it was mostly just management. Anyway, uh, I'm always surprised it doesn't get more time, considering how much time baseball gets uh, on the pod. So I thought I'd bring it up since it's over now and we can celebrate uh, the 21 stages of cycling. And we might as well, because this, go this is a no baseball episode. So do what you want. Yeah. Yep. So stage one, they start. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, just turn it into your own those mountains. Turn it but, into your own rowdy segment. You have 35 yeah. minutes. Go. All so the races one guy begin. was riding his bike, and then the other guy was riding past him, and then the guy came back around him. And oh, then but that he, guy really he took did? off. He, he did. He did. He won because he he tried so hard. But uh, he but passed yeah, the one really dude. So. So I understand cycling is a cup of like a particular cup of tea. And I really don't like, I mostly watch the Tour de France just because it's enjoyable because it's on every day in the morning and you can watch it while you work. Now that everyone works from home, uh, they give you nice uh, helicopter visuals of uh, the French countryside, which is just enjoyable and delightful. Yeah. Uh, and you get to see some guys do some really good bike riding. Um, I always anyway. enjoy seeing those big, uh, like drone shots or the big sweeping landscape shots from the helicopters of yeah. all the land that the French have surrendered over the years. Call me when, when they've got <laughs> helmet cams that with v, 360 VR cameras. That's when I'll that's when I'll watch. Oh, it's coming. They they have started to mount cameras on the backs of bikes, which with with audio, which is nuts because all you hear is like. And you hear all their yeah. gear shifting. It's it's really intense because they ride really close together at really high yeah. speeds. That's not. I but feel anyway. like that's kind of what it needs because it is an intense sport. But when you, I do like the big, you know, beautiful overhead shots of the bike race. But it, but then you get a sense of the, this is beautiful countryside versus like, wow, this is kind of a battle that's happening right now. And oh my gosh, they're really high up and oh my gosh they could just fall off this mountain which you would get from like that and first sometimes person they view. do yeah that's yeah. true or they hit yeah. they hit spectators yep yeah it rained the first day and i am not going to talk about all of the days but it rained the first day and there were a bunch of crashes because you know Ugh. roads get wet and you're going too fast and these guys just no matter if it's wet or dry they slide across the pavement in their little cycling skin suits that looks Ugh. like they're sliding, but it's just ripping their yeah. heart and then their flesh. It's pretty, it, it can get pretty gnarly. They're ripping and they're um, tearing. But yeah, it was, a, <laughs> it was a great race this year. It came down to the second to last day. So it's oh. 21 days. And, you know, there are, I think we've talked about this before. There are, you know, there are four main prizes. There's a green jersey, which is for sprinting that you get points for different uh, sprints throughout the course. There's a polka dot jersey for climbing the mountains that you get That's points for doing that better than other people. That yeah. one's really good. Yeah. Uh, there's a white jersey for best young rider under 25. And then and a then case of cigarettes. Is... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and That's Evian. Surprise. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, there's the yellow jersey, of course, uh, which is the general general classification it's the it's the biggest and the best prize. Anyhow, this year, uh, the winner of the Tour de France not only won the yellow jersey, not only won the white jersey because he was 21 years old when it finished. He also won the polka dotted jersey. Dang! So, Did he put on all three at the same time? I he didn't wear them all. It's kind of funny. Whenever <sighs> at the end, so if you're if you have one at the end of every race, they like have every leader in whichever jersey get up on a podium in the in the finishing town. So he'll have to get up, wear a jersey, take that jersey off, put a new jersey on, get up and wave to everybody, take that jersey off, and then put the other jersey on and wave to everybody. He um, won three of the four. Tadej Tade Pogacar, who's from Slovenia, 21 years old. He turned 22 the day after the race ended. Uh, and he, so... So this is the first time he's ridden in the Tour de France. And here are his accomplishments. 
the youngest rider in 116 years to win the tour, the youngest rider ever to win the King of the Mountain classification, the youngest rider in 86 years to win three stages in a single race, and the youngest rider in 37 years to wear the yellow jersey. And again, he's also Jeez. wearing all three jerseys. It's nuts. It was pretty nuts. And it came down like, you know, you have to, watching cycling, there there are exciting if you watch it long enough, but like any other sport, like you have to sort of understand what's going on, which they do a pretty good job of telling you. But um, the whole race, he was mentioned as like the up and comer, the, like the future of the sport. While his countryman, uh, Primoz Ro- Rojlik, that's I didn't say that very well. Anyway, uh, who's also Slovenian. Rodlik. He was, yeah. <laughs> he was, uh, he was leading a good portion of the race, and everyone assumed that he was going to, to win. Uh, and then his Slovenian countryman, who's a young guy, would get second. And then, like years coming, he would start winning. Uh, and he, uh, Primos was on the best team. They were dominating every stage. It felt like. They were always in front, always just destroying everyone, which they also had one of the best young Americans out of Durango, Colorado, Sepp Kuss, which is very exciting, which I won't get, get into now. But anyway, the second to last, uh, the second to last, because the last stage is usually like a victory lap. Whoever's leading at that point in time, no one tries to make up time because it's really hard to, because everyone's just kind of taking it easy before they get into Paris. Anyway, uh, the second to last stage was a time trial where you ride by yourself over a course and it's literally just the fastest person wins hmm. and you're spread out by about two minutes. Um, anyway, so at the end, the last two people to go are the two Slovenians. Uh, Tade goes first and he is behind by 50, I think 59, 55 seconds, something like that. Um, and then the guy who had been leading, Primo, goes last. And over that race, Tade not only won, but ended up winning by 53 seconds, which is like making up two minute, two full minutes of time is not like he blew everybody away. Like the closest, the second place finisher was like a minute and a half behind him. So anyway, it was pretty wild to see like the very last day of real racing uh everything switches hands and now this young kid that they've been spending so much time talking about this other guy primos this young kid comes in and wins all three jerseys and gets to take his you know victory ride through paris which is also very exciting because that's always fun to see too um but anyway it was a really good race really hard race this year and uh it was pretty exciting the whole time there were lots of like Usually it's like the last five, seven years, like the people who are supposed to win end up winning or their teammates win because they're all so good. Um, this year, everything, there are all new winners and all the classifications and it was really exciting. So anyway, watch the Tour de France. You don't have to watch cycling all year round, but next July, provided the pandemic isn't destroying everyone, uh, we should. everyone should watch it. Give it a try. I mean- he's because he was born in the race started in August. So black, black, black we're starting bile. in, we're starting in, we're actually, that's in, you're in yellow bile at that point, oh. but it ends oh, in right. his birth month of the black bile. I feel like, yeah, of course, like the, 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 the smart yeah, thing would have been him if you're, if you're looking at it from the sense of the four humors, but um, <laughs> I assume I appreciate by, you doing for us. I assume by the black bile, you mean he had the best EPO. (laughs) He had the best drugs of everybody. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, he's got a healthy spleen that we can, we can definitely say that for sure. That is wild though, to get all, get three of the four jerseys. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. What else we got, Rowdy? All right. So since we've got big city Adam here on the big city beat, I thought we could do a little bit of an investigative report. Oh. Uh, okay. Big City Adam, I wanted to introduce you to your future mayor, who is Mr. Andrew Giuliani. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> now, uh, we got, we got this uh, is, 
About eight minutes, Rowdy. We can we can get through this. <laughs> okay. Andrew is the son of America's mayor. I don't know if you remember him, Rudy Giuliani, uh, cybersecurity sure. expert. Never uh, forget. Uh, Trump Trump lawyer. Uh, now this this uh, New York Post article came out on September twelfth this year, conveniently. Mm. Uh, he yeah, said that New York is, Post, great. Uh, said that he he was thinking about throwing his hat in the ring uh, for for the the election. Um, he, he said, "I'm certainly thinking about it. It's something that a bunch of people that I trust have approached me with. It's been terrible to see over the last few years how the city has spiraled. I'm afraid if the right candidate doesn't win in 2021." Four more years of de Blasio's policies will remind us of the 80s. Mayor de Blasio's administration has failed New York as he does not value the New York Police Department and he does not value what they have done for the city. I am trying to make sure the president gets over the finish line on November 3rd. And then right after that, my focus is going to be on how we can save New York City again. And that was in that was, that was in his New York Post, that was his New York Post statement. And then the same day on Twitter, he said, whether or not I decide to throw my hat in the ring, one thing is certain, New York deserves a mayor who understands their number one priority is public safety. Do you feel that way? <laughs> yeah, yes. Man. You know, everyone's leaving the city, so. Yeah, so uh, every day I leave the apartment, which is rare these days, I take my baseball bat because I'm terrified of getting mugged around every single corner. Yeah. You don't know who's gonna be there. Just I've seen, Dude, I've seen the Warriors. Yeah, I know what it's, it's like. just like that, but everywhere. Wow. And only only the bad ones have roller skates, so it's harder to get away from it. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Just these roller skating gangs all over the place. Uh, I, have well, now, I have a question yeah. about Giuliani Jr. here. Yeah. Is this the progeny of his marriage to his second cousin? I am glad you asked this. So Andrew Giuliani <laughs> is is he's he's 34 years old. He is actually the son of Rudy Giuliani and Donna Hanover, who is not the cousin wife. Okay. So this is actually he is okay. he is, he and his work. he and his sister are the products of Giuliani's second marriage, which was okay. not to the cousin wife. Now, okay. why Andrew, are his eyes so close together? So yeah, Andrew Andrew Giuliani looks like a, a yeah, ginger like potato. Um, he <laughs> has no eyebrows. Uh, and I'm assuming no soul because, you know, th here's the thing. There's redheaded people and there's gingers. Gingers look like oh, Andrew Giuliani. When you see, when you see someone like that, it's like, Oh, there's, wow. there's no soul in here. Um, he you like, may, he you like may remember this. Run. So he, he was actually, uh, one of his first moments in the spotlight was in 1994 when Rudy was sworn in as the mayor uh, Andrew stood up next to the podium and repeated parts of the oath of office and then shouted out things like, it should be so, and it will be so. And then while Rudy was giving his inaugural address, he's standing there the whole time, blowing kisses, yawning, goofing around. At one point he dumps a pitcher of water over that runs down his dad's leg, uh, which, uh, <laughs> there's a famous Chris Farley skit where he's actually impersonating Andrew Giuliani at this inauguration. Oh. So that was, that was his first uh, moment in the sun. Well, as, as a fail son of, the, of America's mayor, um, as the only fail son of America's mayor, he decided that his career path should be professional golf. That's why I'm bringing him up on our sports-related podcast. So oh, sure. he decided he wants to become a professional golfer. So he goes and joins Duke's varsity golf team where he quickly proved himself to be one of the weaker members of the team. <laughs> <laughs> and in 2008, he was cut from the team when the other players unanimously decided that they had had enough of him and his quote, obnoxious behavior mm. and his violations of quote, both the rules and the spirit of the game of golf. <laughs> Just uh, everything. Yeah. One of his former teammates said, when you personally injure someone, that's when you know it's out of hand. He threw an apple at me point blank and it shattered on my face. He also allegedly threw and broke a golf club in a parking lot, although Andrew claims that the club just snapped when he leaned on it. Now, so he gets he sure. he, he gets unanimously voted off of the team because the people cannot stand him. In 1994, he was obnoxious. Apparently in 2008, he's obnoxious. So his only chance 
to get reinstated on the team was for all of his teammates to change their minds and unanimously vote him back onto the team. So to help with this process, you know, it's the Giuliani family. Now at this point, Giuliani's mother and father were divorced. And so uh, Andrew was somewhat estranged from his dad. So his mom is actually kind of taking control of this. So they the family hired a private investigator to call Giuliani's teammates to try to to, to get them to, to vote. This private investigator also allegedly followed uh, Duke's golf coach around. And another allegation came out that Andrew's mother, Donna Hanover, not the cousin wife, was offering to donate $1 million to the favorite charity of players' parents in order to gain these votes. That still didn't work. So... <laughs> So when this plan failed, uh, Giuliani sues Duke for damaging his professional prospects, even though, like I said, he was one of the weakest people on the team anyway. So he was already damaging his professional prospects. But anyway, and he compared his persecution to the book Lord of the Flies. Now, in this lawsuit, he claimed <laughs> that he had been promised. So he was looking between Duke and two other schools, and he chose Duke because the coach at the time Rod Myers had promised him lifetime access to Duke's golf facilities, but a new coach was hired who he claimed manufactured all of these accusations to get him cut from the team, which ironically, the reason this new coach was hired was because Andrew and his mom, Donna, didn't want the job of coach to go to an interim coach that Andrew didn't like. So he kind of made his bed and then he had to sleep in it. Now, this lawsuit was dismissed, and the judge said, quote, said that his argument, quote, brings to mind Carl Spackler's analysis from Caddyshack. He's on his final <laughs> hole. He's about 455 yards away. He's going to hit about a two iron, I think. Like his, the, 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 judge's, the judge's statement is just filled with golf puns. It's actually kind of awesome. It's on the smoking gun. That's pretty good. Um, but despite all these setbacks, Andrew remained positive that he would still become a golf pro. Um, now, as a, a fail son of America's mayor, after he graduated from Duke, he, he interned. He was a sales intern at a boutique investment bank. And then he appeared on the Golf Channel show, The Big Break, twice, where apparently he was universally hated. But <laughs> his real big break came in 2016 when... The 2016 election rolled around, and, and Giuliani began volunteering for Trump's campaign. So to Giuliani, in his own words, Trump is a father figure to him. So Giuliani sees Trump as uh, someone who kind of helped him through this time when exactly. his, his, his parents were divorcing. Um, and also, he, he says that, that Trump helped repair his relationship with his father. And which is actually one of the reasons that Rudy says he uh, really likes the president because he he helped bring father and son back together. So Andrew joins the campaign. Trump wins in March of 2017. Uh, Giuliani, who was 31 years old at the time, became the associate director of the Office of Public Liaison. So. This office, his, his, this office's job is to manage the president's relationship with the public, which I got to say, they're doing a great job. <laughs> yeah, bang up job, guys. Yeah. And, and a plus is all around. So as the associate director of the Office of Public Liaison, when he was asked what he did, he, it turns out his role was to act as a liaison primarily to the sports community. Uh, which means that he helps coordinate all of the visits of sports teams that uh, have have come to the White House, which <laughs> I think at the at least at the beginning of the year it was like eleven during the entire presidency, um, which means he's also had quite a bit of free time. Um, so he ordered all those chicken nuggets and Big Macs and he Wendy's. might have he might have he been that. involved in that. Yeah, he did so that. It, in, in 2018, for all of these efforts, in 2018, his salary was $90,700. Um, some say that his salary is closer to about $97,000 a year now. Um, and because he joined so early in the Trump presidency, he's actually one of the longest serving members of the Trump administration. Um, <laughs> wow. 
And some some White House officials who spoke anonymously said that it's clear that this was a nepotism job. Um, no. And one of them said, quote, he doesn't really try to be involved in anything. He's just having a nice time, which part of that nice time is the whole. Oh, that's a whole White House. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Well, yeah. Part, part, part of this nice so, time is that he great. he travels with Trump to play golf quite, quite often. Um, and he, some are some say that he actually, because of this, has more face time with Trump than a lot of the actual senior officials. Um, in fact, he was given what's called a blue badge, which essentially is a West Wing pass, so he can move around the West Wing without an escort uh, whenever he wants to. Until cool. John Kelly took over as Trump's chief of staff in 2017, and John Kelly hated Andrew Giuliani. <laughs> Because basically all he ever did was golf with Trump. Uh, not to mention the fact that Andrew's dad, Rudy, was constantly causing problems. Like if you remember around this time, this is when Rudy Giuliani would, would routinely make TV appearances to uh, address something and then, and then put his foot in his mouth and cause five, five new problems. Uh, so because of this, uh, John Kelly revoked Andrew Giuliani's West Wing access, which apparently caused Andrew to flip out. So the next thing you know, Rudy's talking to Trump over dinner at Mar-a-Lago. After this dinner, Trump not only ordered that his access to the West Wing be, be restored, he also told his personal aide to make sure that John Kelly promoted Andrew Giuliani to be special assistant to the president, which John Kelly did not do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one former official said, quote, Trump would think it was done, and then it wasn't. He said it was classic Kelly. Just ignore and assume Trump will forget. Kelly said that the staff reported to him, not Trump, so it was for him to decide. Um, and and not, not to mention the new uh, Andrew Giuliani's new boss, uh, Justin Clark, who was the new head of the Office of Public Liaison, uh, also refused to promote Andrew because both he and Kelly thought that he subverted the chain of command. Uh, and there were apparently other workplace issues that they weren't happy about. So that's that was kind of the status until January of 2019 when John Kelly was replaced with the uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark Nazi lookalike Mick Mulvaney. Um, <laughs> and so Mick... Uh, not only restored Andrew's West Wing access, but he did promote him to be special assistant to the president, um, which now uh, he's he's you know just uh, spun into this potential mayoral run in in New York City. So as you can see, he's I mean the guy's got a lot of experience under his belt. Uh, he said you know he's in addition to the sports stuff he's he's. Uh, handled visits for everyone from Tim Cook to, or sorry, Tim Apple to Kim Kardashian and everyone in between. Um, so it's not just, you know, it's not just hanging out with Trump. Um, it's, you know, there's a lot more to it than that. And honestly, in a recent interview, he kind of claimed that he, he was part of uh, why sports are back in America. Oh, he, he said that uh, he, he was kind of part of this effort to get baseball back. So he said, um, quote, it's exciting to see baseball getting back on the field, you know, as, as we see our American history being questioned, uh, to see baseball America's pastime being back out there. I think that's going to be a big boost to the psyche of all Americans, which he's totally right. I feel better <laughs> than I ever have before. And honestly, I think he's fulfilling his mission because uh, I, I have way more uh, trust in Trump, I think, than I ever have before. So, yeah, I think he, I think that um, I don't, I'm not even sure if we can call him a fail son anymore. But I guarantee you, if he painted his hair brown, that Trump would think he was Eric Trump, Trump's son. Oh, he, he does so have air, air, air Trump vibes. Yeah, Good. the ugly son, ugly yeah. son vibes. Yeah, um, yeah. He thinks he's out there getting quality father son time, but it's really Giuliani Junior. Yeah, I mean, here's he the thing: who he is. with his September 12th announcement and and you know talking about De Blasio and look, let's support the police, Blue Lives Matter, all that stuff. 
Um, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think, Big City? Do you think that this could work in New York? No, I don't. I, I think if he runs, like, I think if he tries to get on the ticket, he probably won't. And then if he somehow, by the grace of whoever does, I think it'll be a, an embarrassing landslide. Because, like, we as New Yorker, well, as a voting New Yorker, as an uh, anarchist, we. What if, yeah. what if we, yeah. what if we kick a, out all as, the anarchist, <laughs> anarchist votes? I mean, the anarchists aren't going to vote anyway. So if you factor all those people that's out. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I'm just going to set my mail-in vote on fire once it gets here. That's <laughs> the only reason I asked for it. Uh, You'll show them. They will, like, they're the last election cycle, for, for mayoral election cycle, like everyone vote, who voted for de Blasio just did it because like no one enjoyed it. But it was just like, well, he's the only option that we are given that is viable. Um, and this dude is not any more viable than he is. Dude, he he like, was on a golf reality TV show twice. Sure. Yeah, golfing's a big part of it. A big part of the mayoral campaign. Uh, you know, it's a great way to golf? clear your mind, though. Yeah, and he wears a Yankees cap in pictures. So I think, you know... Like everyone he's, else, well, in the he's world trying to shade. That, he'll he's trying to get voted in. He's trying to cover up the fact that you can't see his eyebrows ever. <laughs> yeah, he look. He kind of looks like a Deadpool wearing a red toupee. He ain't right. He's like not right. You know, like it, Deadpool, like after his face is all burnt. Yeah, <laughs> but then you put a toupee on him, and it looks like him now. And you know what? I swear, well, I not mean, Ryan I, Reynolds, but Ryan Reynolds all burnt up. I would have bet anybody a million dollars that Giuliani's grill was fake, but after seeing his son, I think that's just Giuliani teeth. Well, it's uh, here's the thing. I think Naturally it's, fake I think it's, I yeah. think it's Giuliani bone structure with cap teeth fake on teeth. top of that. Denim. Yeah. Yeah. So he already had got, that he already had that goofy jaw, but then yeah, he got the he got the caps, but you can't fix the Giuliani jaw. I mean true. the yeah. guy the guy married his second cousin, who again was not Andrew Giuliani's mom, but like you know It's in there. It's in there. Yeah. Yeah. The front teeth naturally protrude like a like a rat's mouth. Right. <laughs> so you're just capping the end of a rat's snout pretty much, I would say. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, he will not win and he will he will not get many votes. What a great life though, man. Is it <laughs> you 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 you've been impersonated by Chris Farley at the beginning of your life and you basically sure. just get to hang out in the White House and golf and then every now and then uh hang out with whatever racist uh team owners team comes to the White House. I mean, that's great. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess if you don't mind all that stuff, then yeah, that's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. well, like I said, he's a ginger with no soul. So there, uh, he, he, this is, this is, he, he, there, there's no, you know, more morality does not come into question here, right? Yeah, because he's soulless. It's yeah. just pure, it's just right. pure, like, like the White House aide said, you know, he's just having a good time. Yeah, it's just pure self-interest. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see the results of this election. All right. Well, that's it. We did it. Episode 158. We did sports. As always, I want to thank the Minister of Sound, Mikey, Jet Belly Music, the Commissioner, Brandon Casburn, our good buddy, Big City Adams, sitting in this week. Hey. Uh, Food editor Dennis Chu and the honorary ball boy this week is the honorary ball boy this week passed away today at the age of seventy-seven. Uh, some of you might know him as uh, the youngest Hall of Famer in NFL history, out of the University of Kansas. Gale Sayers, longtime Chicago Bear, four-time Pro Bowler, five-time first-team All-Pro, two-time rushing champion, dead at the age of seventy-seven. That's a crazy coincidence that your ball boy pick passed away today, too. I know. I'm on it. Well, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We do have an email address, apparently, at sportsportsportspod at gmail.com. Why don't you send us something? Uh, see if it still works. 
send us any questions, headlines, or topics you would like to discuss. Maybe there are some in there and I've just never logged on. We'll see. <laughs> and don't forget to rate us and subscribe. New episodes will be there every Thursday where we will ask, how about some sports? Well, how about it? Diving real nice, with on my feet.